By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime, and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. This time, we're going back to cooking stuff. We talked about food in the last episode. We're back to food this time, but this is the food you're going to make. We've talked about cooking a few times. We're doing another episode because it's summer as I record this, and summer is the time for grilling and barbecue, and those are two of my favorite ways to cook. There's something about going outside and firing up the grill and getting the meat ready and having the coals hot. Oh, I love cooking outside. And boy, the taste of charbroiled food, especially if you've done it yourself, oh, it's so good. So we're going to talk about grilling, we're going to talk about barbecuing, and there is a difference. We're going to talk about smoking, and there is a difference. And then, at the end of the episode, I'm going to give you a recipe. The recipe is for my world-famous, well, at least it's famous around here, my world-famous pasta salad. This is the one that Mrs. Gamer Dude loves, loves, loves. And I just created it. I know the stuff she likes, I know the stuff that she enjoys, So I put the ingredients together into something that comes out really good every time. Now there's a little variety with it. There's some variation. You can do your own thing with it if you want to. But I'm going to give you the basics. And then you can have your own pasta salad all summer long. Now I know not everybody likes pasta salad. I know not everybody likes macaroni salad. But this one is really good. It's got some veggies in there. It's got some dressing in there. It's got some cheese in there. You'll love it. It's good. But we'll get to that at the end. The first thing we're going to talk about is the actual cooking, or actually the cooking process. Now, people talk about barbecue and talk about grill as if they mean the same thing, and they don't. They're very different things. If you're a purist, I mean, if you're just the guy who goes to the tailgate parties, if you're the guy who fires up the old Weber grill once a month, if you're the guy who just likes to go out and cook on the deck with the neighbors and a six-pack of beer, then you don't care about grilling, you don't care about barbecue, you don't care about smoking, you just want the stuff cooked. And you probably use a propane tank, don't you? Purists don't use propane. People who like real grilled food don't like propane. Yes, I know. The propane grills are so easy. Oh, it's so clean. There's no dirt. You don't have soot. You don't get charcoal everywhere. You don't have to use lighter fluid. You just turn it on, light it up. Boom, you got the grill. It's hot. And then I can get wood chips and I can make it taste almost the same. You know, almost doesn't count. Almost isn't good enough. If you're going to grill, if you're going to barbecue, do it right. Now, what's the difference? What am I talking about here? Well, if you go into your Home Depot, if you go into your Lowe's, if you go into your Walmart and you go to the outdoor section, you'll find all your barbecue grills. And I'm going to use the term barbecue grill because that's what a lot of people call them. But barbecue and grilling are actually two different styles of cooking outside over flame, over an open flame. Now, grilling, and I'm just going to use loose definitions... Grilling is putting a fire in a metal box outside, putting a grate on top of the fire, throwing your steak or your burgers or your hot dogs or your chicken right on that grate and cooking it. You cook it till it's done on both sides, or in the case of a sausage or a bratwurst or a hot dog done all around, and then you bring it to the picnic table and you serve it up with your condiments and your rolls and whatever else you serve with the burgers and dogs and chicken. And that's grilling. You're just grilling on top of a flame. That's what grilling is. That's not barbecue. 
Barbecue traditionally is a long, slow process of cooking meat. You've heard the phrase low and slow. That means low heat, slow cooking. When you're cooking real barbecue, you're not doing it in a hurry. Real barbecue takes time. It takes patience. You have to plan your day around a real barbecue if you're doing it on your own. Now, I'm not talking about the guys who run restaurants. That's what they do plan their day around because that's their livelihood. That's what they do. But if you go to a real barbecue restaurant in the South, in Texas, in South Carolina, someplace down in Tennessee, these guys cook all day. You'll have something cooking all day long, overnight, 14 hours. They put it on the night before over a low flame, and then they let it cook all night and serve it up for lunch the next day. That's barbecue. Now, barbecue also involves a lot of seasoning. It can also involve different kinds of sauces. You don't necessarily need sauces. You can use dry rubs. And dry rubs, for those who don't know, a combination of spices that you rub into the meat, and then you put it over the low, slow heat after you've let it sit for a while. And then the spices and the juices of the meat and the low, slow heat create that beautiful, tasty, melt-in-your-mouth, delicious meat that comes off a low, slow heat. That's what barbecue is. Now, barbecue is often cooked over indirect heat. What does that mean? Well, when you're grilling, when you put your burgers on that grate in your grill, you're putting it directly over the heat. That's direct heat. The heat is underneath the burgers, then there's the grate, then there's the burgers. And the heat just heats up the burgers and cooks them that way. It's a tried and true way to cook food. Indirect heat is not directly under or over the meat. And when I say over, this is a little tip for you. You can actually do grilling in your oven in the house. You know that broiler setting on your stove? That has the flames come down from the top. So if you get a broiler pan, put it on the rack that's the highest you can go in your oven and put your burgers on your broiler pan, you're actually grilling. It's technically called broiling because the flame is coming down from the top, but that's direct heat on top of whatever you're broiling. That's a different kind of direct heat cooking, but it's essentially the same methodology. You're using direct heat to cook the meat. Indirect heat is a heat source that's near the meat, but not directly under it. And that's the secret to good barbecue, because you're not directly cooking the meat. You let the heat circulate around the meat at a low temperature. The low temperature is usually between 225 and 275 degrees. And yes, this is why you need a meat thermometer and a grill thermometer. If you're using a grill, you can get one of those standalone grill thermometers and you put that inside the grill so you know how hot it is as you're cooking. Because your goal, if you're going to try to do true barbecue, is to keep that temperature in that range. You want it between 225 and 275 consistently. That's why it's a process. That's why it's an all-day thing. That's why you build your day around doing true barbecue if you're doing it at home. Because it's hard work, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Now, the other component you have is smoke. You can do pure smoking, and that's a separate process. But when you're doing a barbecue, you get smoke, depending on the wood you use. And you can add smoke, depending on the wood or the charcoal briquettes, if you choose, that you use. And yes, you can also use the wood chips for additional smoke if you want to. When I say wood chips, if you go into that outdoor section over at Lowe's, they have bags of wood chips. You can get mesquite, you can get hickory, you can get applewood. And you can use those to enhance the smokiness of the food that you're cooking. You don't need to do it, but you can do it. But either way you choose to cook, whether it's grilling or whether it's barbecuing, 
The medium you use to create the flame is the key. And we're going to go back to what I said at the very beginning. Propane is not the way to do it. You can do it that way. Of course you can. You just don't get the flavor with propane. Even if you use wood chips, it's not the same. Because part of the process is having that charcoal flavor, that hardwood flavor, soak into the meat from the beginning. And that's why I'm talking about the medium that you use for the flame. You can use charcoal briquettes. There's absolutely nothing wrong with them. Kingsford puts out a bunch of charcoal briquettes of different types. You can have just a basic charcoal briquette. You can have them with hardwood inside. You can have them with hardwood of a particular type, like hickory charcoal briquettes. Those are available. And those are perfectly acceptable, especially if you're just starting out. They're easy to handle, they're easy to light, and they give you that good charcoal flavor. Absolutely nothing wrong with them. Now, some purists, some people who really love their grilling or their barbecue, they can tell the difference. You can tell the difference between hardwood and charcoal briquettes if you have a sensitive palate and you know what you like. But if you're just going for that outdoor grilled taste that tastes like you've actually done the cooking over a flame, a charcoal briquette will suit you fine. But if you don't want to use the charcoal briquette, you can buy actual bags of hardwood that's ready to use. There's several different brands. Cowboy brand is one of them where they have hardwood that's already charred. And that's important. You want to use hardwood that's already charred. You don't want to cook over fresh cut wood. It has to be charred wood because if you cook over fresh cut wood, you can do it. But there are actually carcinogens in the smoke that comes off of fresh cut wood or scrap from a lumber yard. I've seen people do that. You don't want to use that stuff. You want to use actual hardwood that's been charred. It's healthier and safer. Now, what I tend to do is I tend to do a combination. I use some charcoal briquettes as a base, and then I mix in some hardwood with it so that I get the best of both worlds. But you don't have to do it that way. You can choose whatever medium you want to get your flame going. And speaking about getting the flame going, some people don't like to grill, don't like to barbecue, don't like to cook outside because getting that flame going is difficult. It's really not. It's not that hard. There are easy ways to get an outdoor barbecue, an outdoor grill fired up. And you can have the fire ready in 15 minutes. Yes, you can use lighter fluid, but then you're getting to the flavor thing. People can taste that lighter fluid, especially if you douse it like I've seen some people do. They'll use half a can of lighter fluid to get a barbecue grill going. And then when they start it going, they'll add more and relight it. It's just crazy. And I know it's crazy because once upon a time, I used to do that. I used to use the lighter fluid and then try to relight it while it was still firing up. You don't do that. Don't do that. There are much better ways to start a charcoal fire. Here's the easiest that I've found. You go to that outdoor section at Lowe's, at Home Depot, at Walmart, and you go pick yourself up a charcoal chimney. What's that? Well, it's a cylinder with a handle on it and a grate at the bottom. The cylinder is about two feet tall, about eight inches diameter. You fill that cylinder with your charcoal and you put it in the grill. There's space underneath the grate, which is holding the charcoal inside the cylinder, for some clumped up newspaper. You take two sheets of clumped up newspaper and wad them up. I also spray each sheet with a little vegetable oil. Not a lot, you don't soak it, just a little. It helps slow the burn down just a little bit, but keep the fire going as it heats up the coals and gets the fire started. So then you have your wadded up newspaper underneath the chimney, the charcoal inside the chimney, and you put that on the top of your grill. Then you get your long lighter, and there's spaces underneath the chimney, and you light corners of the paper. And you'll see the paper catches fire right away. And because it's crumpled up, and because it has a little vegetable oil on it, it will burn slowly enough 
to get a hot fire started in those charcoal briquettes in the chimney. And you're going to see the flames and you're going to want to dump that out and let it go. No, don't do that. You let that chimney sit there with the fire brewing for 10 to 15 minutes. That's enough time for the coals to get lit and hold their flame and get hot enough to use. Then you very carefully, after 10 or 15 minutes, go out to your grill, pick up the chimney by the handle, and carefully pour the coals into the grill itself. Now this is where you want to use those barbecue tools you got for Father's Day. Get those tongs out and rearrange those charcoal briquettes into a layer all touching each other so that the fire spreads evenly. Usually you want to do that in the center of the grill if you're cooking burgers or hot dogs or chicken or all of those things. You have a nice even fire throughout the grill. Then you leave it set for another five minutes as the fire sets and grows and builds. When those charcoal briquettes are about 75% all white ash on the top, you're ready to go. God, I've been talking a lot about cooking, haven't I? How much time can I spend talking about charcoal? Apparently a lot. I could go on and on about the charcoal cooking and how to do indirect cooking and how to smoke and what I do, and I'm not going to today. (laughs) I have probably another 15, 20 minutes that I could talk on just how to set up a fire, and I'm not sure you want to hear that. So I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to I'm going to stop talking about how to set up your grill and the virtues of cooking over charcoal or hardwood. We're just we're just going to stop. But if you want to hear more, we can do another episode about barbecue. You let me know. Instead, we're going to get to the recipe. I promised you a recipe for the best macaroni salad ever. That's what we're going to do. I put pictures up on Twitter a while ago about the ingredients for the pasta salad that I make. I recognize not everybody loves cold pasta. You know what? If you do a cold pasta salad right, it's very refreshing. It's very light. It's something that's a perfect complement to a hamburger, a hot dog, sausage and peppers, anything on the grill because it comes off the grill so hot. Even if you let it set for a couple minutes, which you should so the juices collect in the center, even if you let it set, a nice cool pasta salad on the side, oh, it's the perfect complement. Now, there's nothing wrong with experimenting with the recipe that I'm about to give you. You can add whatever seasoning you like. You can add whatever other ingredients you like. But this basic recipe is going to be easy for you to do, easy for you to follow, and it tastes really good. Now, right out of the box, I'm going to give you a cheat. You can use a homemade oil and vinegar dressing. Nothing wrong with that, and that's pure homemade. If you're going to do it that way, nothing wrong with it. Personally, I like the flavor I get from a Greek vinaigrette, which you can buy at the supermarket. There's a couple of different varieties. You can get Seven Seas. You can get Ken Steakhouse. I get whichever one's on sale because they all pretty much basically have the same ingredients. And I like the Greek vinaigrette. But if you want to make it from scratch, the simplest recipe you could have is this. Take three quarters of a cup of vegetable oil or canola oil. Take a quarter of a cup of white wine vinegar. Take a teaspoon of salt and a teaspoon of pepper. Put them in a container. Mix them up. Set it aside while you're putting the rest of the ingredients together. Why set it aside? So the flavors can meld. You will see that the oil and vinegar separate. They always do. You're going to shake it up really good before you pour it on the salad at the end. Here's the rest of the stuff you need. Get a box of pasta. I like rotella. You can use elbows. You can use any spiral thing. You can use boat ties. You can use whatever you want. But I go with a rotella. You cook that up. You're going to use the thyme on the box that calls for al dente. That means the pasta has a certain level of firmness. It's not too squishy. It's not going to dissolve as you bite into it. It retains some body to it. Most of the time al dente is somewhere between 8 and 9 minutes. Whatever your box of pasta says, do that time. Do that time exactly. Once you pour it into the boiling water, 
Set the timer for 8 minutes. Don't let it go longer than that. When the timer goes off, take the pasta off the heat. Pour it into a colander in your sink. That drains the water, of course. The next thing you want to do is you want to turn the water on, cold water, and spray down the pasta. Why? Because that stops the cooking. If you leave a pile of warm pasta in a colander in your sink, it'll continue to cook and it'll continue to get soft. You don't want that. If you're making a pasta salad, you want to make sure your pasta is firm. So spray it down with cold water as soon as you strain it. And then you can leave it sit there while you get the rest of the ingredients together. Here's what else you need. You need a pint of grape tomatoes. Just go to the produce section and grab one of the pints of grape tomatoes. And when I say pint, it's that small square container that they have. You want that same size of container of mushrooms, sliced mushrooms. Most supermarkets slice them up for you. Get a container of the sliced mushrooms. Go to the vegetable aisle, get a can of sliced black olives. Use the 8-ounce size. That's more than enough. Then go to the cheese section. You're going to get a small container, 4 ounces, of crumbled gorgonzola cheese. Don't use feta. Don't use any of the others that you see in there. Don't use blue cheese. It's not the same. Get gorgonzola. That's the kind you want. It's got the right taste. It's got the right consistency. It holds up in the pasta salad. It's really the best choice. And it's got just the right kind of cheese bite that you want for this kind of salad. Now take those tomatoes, cut them in half. Why? Because you get a little extra juice. Makes the salad just a little moister. Or is it more moist? I'm not sure. But either way, it's better to cut those tomatoes in half. Then you're going to take half of the pasta, put it in a giant bowl. Whatever bowl you have, get the biggest bowl you have in the house. If you have a big mixing bowl, that's what I use. Put half of the pasta in the big mixing bowl. Half of the tomatoes, half of the mushrooms, half of the olives, half of the gorgonzola cheese. Get a big spoon, stir it all together. Go over there and get that salad dressing you put aside, that oil and vinegar mix. Shake it up, make sure that it's all mixed together, and pour about half of that onto the mixture in the bowl. The reason I do this in two stages is so that everything gets mixed together. If you try to put everything in one bowl at the same time, it doesn't mix up as easily. So I find it easier to do it in stages. Stage one, stage two. Stage two is the same thing. You're just taking the last half of the pasta, the last half of the tomatoes, about half of the remaining mushrooms. I don't like too many mushrooms because they tend to take over if you put too many in. So you're using half of the remaining mushrooms, the rest of the olives, and the rest of the gorgonzola. And mix all that up. You still should have half a container of the salad dressing left. That oil and vinegar mix. This is going to come down to how you like your salad. If you like it really juicy, if you like it with a lot of dressing, you can add as much as you want. You can finish it up if you want to. You can put a whole cup of dressing in there if you want to. But if you just like a light dressing, you don't have to use any more. Just make sure everything gets coated with that oil and vinegar you made. Or the Greek vinaigrette out of the bottle from the supermarket if you want the cheat way like I do. Once you've got it all mixed together, you can throw a little salt and pepper on the top if you want to put a little spice on it. Cover it with saran wrap, throw it in the fridge, leave it there for an hour. At least an hour. Because you want it chilled when you serve it. And that, my friends, is it. After an hour, you go in there, you have a taste of it. Oh, you will love it. You will love it. It's so good. And yeah, you can put anything in there that you want. If you like celery, you can throw celery in there. If you want to put some sliced carrots in there, go ahead. I personally don't think you need that kind of stuff in there. To me, this is a good base salad. Not too fancy. Just enough flavor. Just enough color. But if you want peppers, onions, garlic, you can put it all in there if you want to. But this basic recipe for pasta salad will serve you well for the rest of your summers. Trust me. So now you know how to barbecue. Now you know how to grill 
Now you know how to make pasta salad. Don't you feel better? Don't you feel you can face the rest of the summer with your head held high and your spatula ready to go? Well, you should. This is good stuff you got now. You've got tools. You've got information. You're ready to be a barbecue champion. I know you can do it. Get out there and grill those burgers. Don't barbecue them. Grill them. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Go have yourself a burger. Go cook up some sausage. Put a few brats on the grill. Go have fun with this information. Enjoy yourself. It's summer. You're supposed to. And until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.